Welcome to the Mountains and the Sea podcast, a Prince retrospective where we listen to every song in the album. We choose our favorite song, our least favorite song, and a song that we feel encapsulates the time at which the album was recorded. My name is Christy. And and I'm Josh. We're so glad that you're here with us today. We cannot wait to get started, but first we want to tell you a little bit about ourselves. We're husband and wife. Really? (laughs) Yes, we are. I have always been like a very casual Prince fan. I can remember in the 80s hearing Little Red Corvette and loving it on the radio. They didn't play it a lot in Texas. We had to be in vacation in Los Angeles for me to hear it on the radio for the very first time. And I remember thinking it was just scandalous, but so interesting. And it wasn't until I met Josh in the mid-90s that I became a larger fan. And I grew up in the Midwest, not far from uh, Minnesota. And when I was in high school, actually junior high school, met a guy, a high schooler who had a car... And he would drive to Paisley Park uh, on the weekends and go to concerts and rehearsals that were open. And he'd walk in and then walk out with tapes of material that were either handed out or traded by other people who were there. And he would share those with me, drive uh, over to my house in his car and play the songs for me. And it was the first time that it ever struck me that when you listen to an album that it's a culmination of months or years of work, that there's alternate versions and edits and creative decisions that are made throughout the recording process of an album. This was when I was 13 or 14 years old, so it really kind of opened my eyes to the amount of work and creativity that goes into creating music and creating an album, and it just fascinated me. So I stayed in touch with this guy forever and ended up on the bootleg bootleg circuit, probably with some of you who are listening right now, and just became a collector and... Stuck with it forever and never quit listening. (laughs) And uh, Christy and I were lucky enough to go to a number of concerts. Um, Our first one together was the One Night Alone tour in Houston. And we were in the MPG Music Club and had access to a sound check before the concert. And Prince sat behind us in the crowd while we were walking in, you know, listening to the sound and coaching the band and... Christy snuck up and touched the cymbal guitar when he left to go change before the concert. I thought we were going to get thrown out, but fortunately, we did not. <laughs> we did not. That's one of my favorite stories to tell is I touched Prince guitar, Prince's yeah, guitar. There was no was... way, no way I was going to do that. I knew better. I knew better than to do that. He was, he was going to let me sit outside while he watched the concert. I was not going to leave. No, so you were You were going to get kicked out. I was going to be there alone. Uh-huh. And I was going to go sit in the car. So... That's that's great. Josh has lots of good stories, so I look forward to um, hearing. I'm sure there's some I haven't heard. I probably heard a lot of them, most of them, but I look forward to hearing them again and um, sharing them with all of you. Actually, that whole story is kind of why Christy asked me which album should we start with, and my pick was Love Sexy. And part of the reason for that, it it was about the time that this album came out in 1987, 1988, that I started uh, hearing unreleased music and rehearsed tracks and demos and that type of thing. So this album, for me, uh, is sort of my true introduction to Prince, even though I'd listened to his music, you know, as a kid long before then. But as a 14-year-old in 1988 with a little bit of discretionary income from working at a drive-in, uh, restaurant. That's that's where all my money went. I flipped burgers uh, on the weekends so I could buy bootlegs on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. All right, so we're gonna talk about uh, love, sexy, as Josh said. So I'm interested to see how Christy's going to introduce this album. We have not talked about what we think of this album. <laughs> I think that she had not listened to this album all the way through ever before. This was probably the first time she'd ever listened to it. Um, She was fortunate enough to have it broken up into tracks for her because its initial release, it was one continuous track of whatever, 48, 49, 50 minutes of music. Uh, So if you wanted to listen to the last song, you had to listen to the entire CD or (laughs) manually fast forward through the entire thing to get to the end. (laughs) Which when it was on a tape, that you had to do that anyway. But once it's on a CD. Yep. Yeah. So why do you, do you know why he did one track? 
Yeah, he wanted it to be listened to as a, a continual experience from start okay. to end. This was not an album that was piecemeal together, so to speak. It was a vision that he had. So mm. this wasn't a collection of songs that he felt worked together as an album. It was something that was primarily recorded start to finish to be an artistic statement. So he mm. didn't want it to be listened to in pieces. He wanted it to be heard beginning to end. Well, and it was a replacement it was a replacement. It was, uh, it was this, a replacement is... for the Black Album, right? Very good. Yes. Someone's I've, been I, reading. I have, I've been doing a little reading. <laughs> and interestingly, we'll talk more about this um, in a later podcast. Uh, we're going to do another podcast on Love Sexy. And we're going to talk about um, some of the additional projects, music videos, fashion of the time, different... And, uh, you said there's lots of... Um, good concerts available. Yep, B sides uh, to singles, uh, that type of thing. Non non album related material to the, mm-hmm. that particular era of yeah. the album. And we'll we'll talk about that more in depth. But I did read that because the cover is so suggestive, Prince on the lilies with the stamen in a a uh, interesting spot. It was carefully chosen. It was carefully chosen and very deliberate. And the unibrow. And <laughs> he maybe should have invested in a, a one of those no. ladies from he India was, to come to his place. He was, and... he was trimming other parts of his body. For this, <laughs> Obviously, for this album cover, not the eyebrows. S- yeah, you can see everything else he was trimming on the album cover. But because it was so suggestive, they ironically. Many record stores chose to cover the album in black paper, which was interesting since it was a replacement for the black album, which did end up coming out later. Yeah, his the original album was the black album was supposed to come out after Sign of the Times in late 1987. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of copies of it were printed, and at the last minute, literally a few days before it was supposed to hit the streets, Prince decided... I don't want to release this album. It's too dark. There's rumors that he had a drug experience that caused him to feel this way, but it widely became the most bootlegged album of all time um, when it was pulled off the shelves. Um, I had a copy of it that was barely listenable for about seven years before it was finally <laughs> released, but this album, Love Sexy, was born out of the Black Album, so it's one of the few albums that he recorded that you could say definitely would not exist without the album that came before it. It just so happens that album didn't get released at the time. Mm-hmm. So, th- and this was a solo effort by Prince, correct? Primarily a solo effort by Prince. All the horn parts are mm-hmm. Eric Leeds, Alana Bliss. Um, right. There's obviously guest singers. Cat uh, does the rap on a lot of these right. songs. Sheila E. had a part of it also, and Bonnie Boyer and mm-hmm. Levi Caesar Jr. It was his touring band for sign of the times that primarily kind of were on the outskirts of this album but it's mostly mm-hmm. a solo effort by prince yeah all right well let's dive into the the actual songs um so i i don't know how you prepared for this but i went through and listened to all of them uh, a few times and made just some some notes about my thoughts i'm sure you have I prepared um, for this thoughts. podcast by buying the CD in May of 1988. <laughs> yes. Josh has been preparing for this day his whole life. Aren't you also lucky? <laughs> no, I'm the lucky one. All right. I know. So, do you do you know? I know. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Um he said new power generation was this the first time that we saw new power generation very good okay. first time he referenced it in an album really um, the, the term new power generation this was again prince moving on from the golden years of the revolution and trying to make a statement that you know he was still a creative force to be reckoned with which of course very few people doubted uh, but again, building this identity, starting with this album, the new power generation, he refers to it at the beginning of the CD, mm-hmm. and at the beginning of the album, and that would become his band name later. 
and would would really stick with him uh, throughout the rest of his career in different iterations of the NPG. The NPG. Mm-hmm. Yes, we were part of the yeah, NPG this... Music Club, as you said before. <laughs> That's right. But and... yes, this album opens with him simply saying, welcome to the new, new power, power generation. Oh, I would see, mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure if that was the first time that it had been uh, released on a recording somewhere, because it was the new power generation very boldly the first when I really started to become what I would consider a fan somebody who didn't just hear the songs on the radio and that that was was 95 yeah yeah Yeah. so and I thought it was so sad that he said there was no smack in his brain and that's why it sounded in retrospect gosh that's heartbreaking it is although I mean it's not illicit drug use that right. led to his no. death it was something much different so what he was right. saying again this spawns off of uh what a lot of people say is the reason for the black album being pulled that uh. he had this vision because of a drug overdose ecstasy that uh-huh. this was an evil thing the album was too nasty too dirty too mm. funky and he didn't want it to be the last thing that he ever released if he weren't to make it. Of course, Nasty, little... dirty, funky is, you know, the best parts of <laughs> yeah, 1980s you wonder, Prince. You wonder what a drug might have said to him after he released <laughs> Dirty Mind. <laughs> yes, for sure. All right. And then Alphabet Street was the first single. Well, let's not leave I Know just yet. Oh, do cool, you have some more? some cool parts oh, of the song. Oh, well, please do. So it was also a song that was transformed out of another recording that was never released. No. Called The Ball. Uses the same horn track uh-huh. and a lot of the same background party noises, that type of thing, um, from a, another previous record that never saw the light of day. When I Know ends, there's some party noises and people making uh-huh. sounds in the background. Yeah. And that was a segue between The Ball and a song called Join Repetition that ended up on the Graffiti Bridge soundtrack later on. Um, And you can actually hear the same party noises on both albums. Um, So the whole um, segue between I Know and Alphabet Street is, you know, seen a lot today a couple times on Prince albums. So is The Ball, does that have anything to do with Crystal Ball? It was on a configuration of the Dream Factory. Okay. Um, yep. The ball was there. It was a you know as much as a three CD set at one point, and it was part yeah. of a number of configurations of it. Okay. Again, that was an effort of Prince and the Revolution. And when they disbanded, okay. he moved on and put together Sign of the Times right. from the remnants of that for his solo effort. Right. And that's why that never okay. saw the light of day. Okay. All right. Now are we ready to move on to Alphabet Street? Sure, honey. (laughs) Okay, so this was the first single off of the album. I this is a fun song. It is a fun song. (laughs) It's fun for uh, just being fun, and it's fun for what it really means if you start to listen to it a little more closely. So why don't you tell tell us what it really means? Oh, it's the oh, it's oral sex, right? Oh, oh, yes, Yes, I forgot. Yes, well, you know the the first line being. (laughs) I'm going down. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Might be a small clue. Yeah. Yes. I was, I guess I was thinking of it a little too innocently, as much as I like the dirty, nasty prince of the 80s. <laughs> but this song has the sound of innocence and a message of, of something much darker and deeper. Maybe not darker, just no. a little more sexy. Yeah. Well... Yeah. And I think Innocence also, because you hear it on the radio, it's uh-huh. got this fun rhythm guitar yeah. part to it. The drums are upbeat. It's very, very simple. Yeah, Alphabet yeah, yeah. Street, you, think, you kind of think of like Sesame Street. You do think of Sesame Street. Yeah. This is not it's a place that Big Bird has ever been. <laughs> well, not, not on Sesame Street, at least. Not on Sesame Street. Maybe on the HBO <laughs> well, version of Sesame Street. Well, that, exp- that explains Horny Pony. Yes, it because does. I wrote that down. It just it stuck out to me, so it was something I wrote <laughs> down, and I'm like, "That's an interesting choice." Yeah, again, part of the rap at the mm-hmm. very end of the song, right? Wasn't part of the song that made it on the radio. That was a single edit that cut out that entire part. Oh, okay, but you know, leave it to Prince to release a single from an album called "Love Sexy" that sounds so innocent uh-huh. and is really about uh, oral sex. Yeah. Okay. And he says new power soul in this. Correct. I noticed that because the new power generation. Yeah. And 
had me thinking about that because I just listened to I Know. So, and then there was New Power Soul. I'm like, for yeah, sure. This yeah. was a whole album of new terminology mm-hmm. coming from mm-hmm. Prince that hadn't been heard before. You know, Honda Lasilia, kind of a funky hallelujah. Uh-huh. And New Power Soul being part of that too. Prince was asked uh, many years ago, hey, when are you going to make a gospel album? Especially when he... Uh, stopped swearing uh-huh. and you know made his Jehovah Witness faith more more prevalent in some of his music and his answer to that was I already made a gospel album and it's called Love Sexy. Oh, that's so cool. Very cool. I did I have do have to say I did not like the sexy alphabet Oh, the, the, the uh, recitation, recitation at the end—I end, didn't like it. Well, I you don't it, like mouth sounds in, those, in your ears, and that's exactly <laughs> what that was. That's that's also true. The so, dog does the smacking, or the child does the smacking, yeah. and it makes me feel stubby. So sorry, so, Ingrid Chavez. Yeah, I just it just it felt out of character with the rest of the song. But now that I'm looking at it in <laughs> hindsight, because not once did I while I was listening to this album. Now I've heard Alphabet Street many times. And as soon as I asked you what it was really about, I remembered. Yeah. Yeah. Did so, you, so since you were bothered by it, you probably didn't notice that she skipped a letter. I did. What letter did she skip? I don't well, remember. It's not so much what letter she skipped. It was G. But oh. the Prince was asked later, why? Why? Is there a message there? Why did she skip G? And she was preoccupied. Oh. <laughs> So you can use your imagination oh, to figure out yeah. what distracted her. Oh, yeah. No, thank you. Okay. Um. So do you ever wonder why he said he wanted a driver to Tennessee? Uh, probably that's a popular word. I kind of for... think it's the longest state. Oh. And if you spell out the word Tennessee, uh-huh. each letter with your tongue. Stuff. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. it. It's it might probably... be kind of fun. Yeah. Yep. I would imagine so. Yeah, he didn't take her to Texas. Uh, n- no. No, I don't know. X's. I think <laughs> S's are probably a little more popular. Um, are you ready to move on? Go for it. All right. Glam Slam. The Thank second, you, ma'am. <laughs> the second single. I really like this. It was it was very eighties, very fun. It was, it was good. I liked it. You like it? I do. This was one that I never could really... I thought it was a little cheesy at the time, and I still do. Yeah. But, um, you know, musically, I love it. I love the guitar work in it. It is mm-hmm. kind of a 90s glam rock kind of pop single. The uh, video with... Uh, he's kind of has this blindfold on, and it's a very solo kind of effort in the video. I think kind of hmm. encapsulates, a little, encapsulates a little bit. I think the other reason that... Clam Slam bugs me just a little bit is um, I just never could get into the extended version of it. Um, it just kind of sounds extremely dated to me. Um, a little too much trying, I think, to be to create this kind of aura or sensation around the album. Mm-hmm. So this wasn't a high point for me, and I didn't think it was a really great single choice either. Um, but I'm just one person mm-hmm. with a podcast. Yeah, oh, well, that's fine. That's why we're here, is to hear your opinion. Yeah, but I can see why you would like it. Then, oh, you know, looking really? at the kind of music you like today, kind of huh. that soaring rock guitar yes. kind of thing. And this had if, if that kind of music was made in 1988, mm-hmm. that's I what it would sound like. I was a big fan of hair bands at the time. So yeah. middle school. Yeah. Yeah, I liked me some hair bands. Yeah, this so is definitely a hair very, band kind of track. Yeah, agreed. Great. Do you have any? interesting stories about glam slam about how i avoided it (laughs) (laughs) no you know it obviously it held a a a place in prince's heart he named his nightclubs after it he had a glam slam nightclub in miami and in minneapolis that were named after the song right um so it obviously held a special place in in his heart were they named after the song or was it just because it was catchy or that it rhymed or you know, two four-letter words. I mean, there's could be a lot of reasons. Maybe but, all those things. Yeah. But, I mean, the song came first, and the mm-hmm. nightclubs came later many years after. So right. I always thought of it as a hearkening back to the song. Yes. All right. How about Anastasia? 
I thought it was pretty and sad. It is very sad. Uh, there's a reason why he closed our first concert together with this song uh-huh. too. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's truly talking to God. You know, yeah. um, about the peace that you find there. It's, you know, it's it's a a name, anesthesia, but mm-hmm. also anesthesia. Right. The kind of Same. peace and calmness, and you and there's no more pain mm-hmm. uh, once you someday meet God. Yeah. Um, it's kind of how I saw it. The baby grand piano starting the songs a little like Starfish and Coffee. So in that way, it reminded me of another song of his, but it was something that he had never really said so clearly. There was a, a documentary made of the Love Sexy Tour, and there was this British guy that they are just random concert goer guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're like, you know, why do you, why do you like Prince? And he looks at the camera in his cute little British voice in his 1988 hair and says, well... Prince has the nerve to say God is alive. How many people are saying that these days? No. And this song really, you know, said that to me. No. How about Dance On? I love Dance On. Really? Absolutely love Dance On. If you don't like it, then you're not alone. And people (laughs) on the internet and on Prince.org have a lot of the same opinion that it's just kind of a noisy mess. But that's why (laughs) I like it, especially coming out of... Anesthesia and it being, you know, the first song of Side 2. That's how uh-huh. I think of it also because right. I heard it on cassette the first time. I love the, uh, I don't know, the dirty kind of street beat of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the lyrics are fun. I don't know. There's just a lot about it that I that I have always liked. <laughs> I understand why people don't like it. Right. But um, I'm putting it above Glam Slam on the top really? songs from okay. Love Sexy. Well, it was not... My C. It was not the bottom. Okay. For me. C S E A. Yeah. S E A. Gotcha. Yeah. It was not so the, the, the nicest thing Christy can say about Dance On is, is that it was not the bottom of the album. I wrote down didn't care for it. Didn't care for it. What? Not hated it. Not terrible mess. Hmm. Didn't hate it. What particularly about it did you not I, like? I just I just it did not it's not the song on the album that I'll go back and listen to. Huh. I think I won't put it in my mixtape. Gotcha. <laughs> For me, it was almost like a dance version of Sign of the Times. It was a little bit of social justice and yeah. what's happening in the world at the time with about grenade launchers and yeah. uh, Eminem killers playing Mickey Mouse games. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff reminded me a lot of the approach from Sign of the Times, just a, a more danceable kind of song, mm-hmm. um, and that's why I sort of was drawn to it. Hmm. Well, that's all super valid. I'm glad to hear I'm not alone, but it's not not anything that I terribly disliked. Just not mm. not one that I would not I wouldn't actively avoid it. Gotcha. Yeah. It, he also, this is one of the first instances that I can think of off the top of my head where he calls out an instrument in the middle of a song on an album. No, He's, that's cool. You know, notorious for doing that live. Right. But, you know, in the middle of the song, he just, there's a little soft part where he says, there's a bass guitar in this. And then you start realizing, oh, hell yeah, there's a bass guitar in this. And it's <laughs> awesome. You go back and listen to it and just pay attention uh-huh. to the bass in the song. And mm-hmm. it's very cool. That's awesome. Prince is trying to help you out here. So take his advice. Oh, Okay, well, you know, he has... If he's giving me advice, I darn well better take it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, the... Title track? The title track. Here we are. Title track. Love Sexy. He said he talked about the new power again. He did all throughout uh, the title track of this song. That is it for sure. Yes. He had a deeper voice. He he used less falsetto type voice yep. um, throughout the song and I, I liked that. That was a, a really, interesting for me. Do you prefer the lower N- register? No. Or? I just liked the contrast of it. Hmm. Listening to it as a whole I don't mind his falsetto at all. Hmm. But, and that, and I'm not, I don't particularly care for falsetto singers. Like for men? Yes. Alright. Well not for women either. I prefer uh, men. For... Well, we've got that covered. <laughs> Aren't you lucky? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, as uh, s- singers, I typically prefer men. I understand. Yeah. And then you ask Prince what he liked, and he would say, I don't like men's voices. I prefer women's voices. He preferred <laughs> higher registers really? and songs. Yeah. Hmm. 
You know, for for me, this song reminded me a lot of 1999 with the uh, kind of synth part. But again, how do you, um, you know, I can't think of another musician that could make a song and leave you wondering, you know, what the hell was that about? Was it about <laughs> sex? Is it about love? Is it about God? And that was what this album's yes. all about, that they're all, in his mind, one thing. Mm-hmm. So this was that coming together for me. And the mixing of male and female in the song, I don't know if you remember, there's this part where Kat is talking to him and her voice gets higher and higher and higher and it reaches, reaches right. a point where she screams a little bit and then it starts to lower and lower and lower and it turns into Prince's voice. Oh, it's very sexy, it's, it's, very... That's a rewindable moment right uh, there. Yeah, gender bending For sure. sort of yep. Yeah, intertwining of the two. Even the, you know, wondering is it it's about sex, which some people could see is, you know, dirty, nasty. Is it about God? I think he played with that a little bit too by purposely censoring himself in this also mm-hmm. there's a yes there's an intentional beep in the song that covers up a curse word that you're like why would he do that in an album where he could do whatever he wanted and to me i think that was just further blurring the lines and or making a point that it's about putting the good and god and sex together and some people see it as you know taboo and he saw it as well i'm going to cover part of this just to make it kind of more sexy but then i'm going to unleash it on you and some of these other parts of the song cool that's cool and i i liked the echo from i know rain is wet sugar is sweet ah very good I li- i'm glad I, you realized that yeah, i yep. picked up on that and it really reminded me that it was a cohesive piece of work it was not tracks on an album it was an experience yeah that was one of the first times i think also on a prince album where there's some self-referencing happening Mm -hmm. on the album he does this a lot later on but yes yeah the album opens with you know ingrid chavez saying rain is wet sugar is sweet and it turns into a chorus yeah uh, kind of part in in the title track later on Mm -hmm. yes good you have anything else you want to say about love sexy about that particular song no let's keep going okay uh when two are in love I thought it was sweet. Nothing's forbidden. Nothing's taboo. That's very, it's, you can definitely take that as sexual because, like, you can do whatever it is that you want to do when Mm -hmm. you're in love with the person as long as everybody's, uh, how do they call it, GGG, good giving and game in your sex life. But I also thought, you know, it's, you don't, it's, a way of not censoring yourself with the person that you love and just being very like open and honest and you don't have to hide who you truly are which i thought was also kind of going back to the spirituality thing you know nothing's forbidden nothing's taboo between you and god god knows it all anyway so you know you can be honest and open in that part of your relationship too yeah when this album came out, most hardcore Prince fans had already heard the song because it's uh-huh. the one holdover from the Black album that made it onto Love really? Sexy. Did you oh. not see that? In no, your... I did not in my research. Good. Yes, if you go back and listen to uh, the Black album, this is it, note for note, beat for beat. The entire thing was lifted straight oh. from the Black album. It's the one song that made it onto Love Sexy. Was that on the later release of the Black Album as yep. well? Okay. Yep, the later release was exactly as it was originally recorded. There weren't any changes made from it, uh, made to it when it saw the light of day. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to know if you aren't a fan of the falsetto, then how did this song strike you? Because it's primarily drums and a man's high voice <laughs> singing this entire song. Like I said before, I don't, I don't mind Prince's falsetto. I do I don't not on the whole there mm-hmm. are times when I don't care for it but on the whole he is the exception to my rule of not liking men well I say that I say that I don't like men singing in falsetto but Freddie Mercury is one of my absolute favorites which you know and he also but he is also a rare talent who can do the falsetto properly. I think mm-hmm. maybe I just don't like it when they suck at being a falsetto. All right. <laughs> hey, if you sing out there, don't suck if you do it high. Well, and I'm not one to judge. I'm just going to say I don't care for it. 
I'll change the radio station on you if you suck at falsetto. <laughs> so you called it sweet, too. I mean, parts of the song are sweet. Other parts are extremely dirty, too. Well, I just wondered if you picked up on that listening to it, that some of the lyrics are the thought of his tongue in the V of uh-huh. her love. Yeah. Yes. But even that was sort of sweet to me. Well, it's, it was it's like, gentle it's a, and tender. Yes. It's not exploitation or yeah, yes. uh, you know, super dirty talk. Right. Yeah, he finds Which, a way to do the dirty talk in a really tender way. Yes. Which I I think that's sweet. I think it's really nice. It's like playing to your audience. You know, I'm not a who's going to put down the dirty talk. Yeah, I know but, you're not easily offended no, by much. No. <laughs> nope. That's very true. Yeah. It didn't bother me. All right. Yeah. Well, I love what I love doing too is going back and listening to you know some really superior editing to me. If you listen how Love Sexy turns into when two are in love, mm-hmm. and then go back and listen to the Black album and realize how the song really starts on just a simple downbeat, oh. and Love Sexy Love Sexy kind of crescendos into when two are in love, and it's done pretty masterfully really? when you listen to them both. Oh, see, yeah. and that's not that's not anything. That I would have noticed. I'm not, you know, you're way more into this than I am. And I mean, it's part of, you're an artist. And it's part of your job. That's you, noticing those nuances, even in a medium that's maybe not your area of expertise is something you were extremely good at. Yeah, no, it just spoke to me, you know, good choice to carry this one out over from the Black Album and making it fit in seamlessly where you've got an album of, music that was recorded and basically written and recorded in basically a three month period and you know one of the one of the songs on the album was from a different source and it fits in perfectly mm-hmm. it's pretty cool yeah that is cool alright I Wish You Heaven was the third single again to me not a great single choice yeah um, I think it's the song's a little short to, uh-huh, okay. for me and a little uh, I don't want to say monotonous, but it is kind of a single note from start to end. There True. is not a high point or a low point to the song. And I think that's even, um, you know, we'll talk about the videos in the next episode. But this was kind of this very 1980s green screen, left to right scrolling video right. that moves at kind of a medium tempo pace. And, you know, is a great representation of the song to me. And you can't really argue with the message. It's a very, very simple song. It's got very few lyrics to it at all well and i thought well i'm going to say i thought it was dated but it was really i thought it was really pretty it's pretty it's it doesn't have a lot of lyrics you can sing along to it i i can see why it might have been a why he chose it as a single you play it on the radio you hear it four or five times you know all the words you can sing along isn't that what the casual fan Wants. They want a song that they've heard on the Top 40 radio station that they can sing along to. That's true. But I think you also are looking for, the casual fan is looking for, well, where's my let's go crazy guitar solo? Or mm-hmm. where's my cool no bass thing in When Doves Cry? Or where's my awesome hook from Kiss? And this song doesn't have any of those things. It's very... Um, Exposing, kind of, you know, laying his soul out there and saying that all he wants is for you to be happy, essentially, is is the song. Right. So I don't know that that's a top 40 radio message, but no. that doesn't mean that it wasn't a beautiful song. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think it takes a lot of uh, charisma and self-awareness to pick a song that's, as your single, that's maybe doesn't, fit with the top 40 of the day and that's that's a pretty gutsy thing to do which you know he was a pretty gutsy guy when it came to his music oh yeah i don't envy anyone who is sitting in a room with prince trying to decide well what are the singles going to be from this album because it's not an easy thing to do the Whatever, one obvious you one know, is... he sat there and he said this is the one we're releasing and this is the one we're releasing and this is the oh, one we're releasing he didn't, he didn't always get his way with that too and mm, that was part of true. you know the struggles that he ran into later yeah. was complete control so i don't know for a fact that that happened with the song um mm. but it just struck me as um you know great song i like it um i just don't know that the radio was ready for it then or now yeah that's fair positivity 
Have you had your plus sign today? <laughs> yes, I thought, what a snack. What, what a, a snack. snack. Have you have you had your plus Ooh, sign today? New mini frosted plus signs. <laughs> it does kind of sound like a like a breakfast cereal, sugar coated breakfast cereal uh, from hey, the eighties. Hey, the estate, if you're listening, we get a cut of this. We'll make breakfast snacks out of plus breakfast, signs, plus signs, and some W's because you dream in W's. That's right, not in Z's and mm-hmm. W's, just mm. to be different. Yeah, or well, they're they're wins. Yeah. Like, that's kind of how I took it, was you're dreaming in your positivity, you're dreaming in your wins, you're dreaming in your, uh, your the successes that you've had and you're or hoping for. Yeah, I can see that. I mm-hmm. just saw it, you know, well, of course, I'm listening to it, too, with partially yes. a 14-year-old's <laughs> mind, because that's how it started with me. But I saw it as, um, you know, most people have Z's coming out of their head, you know, if you think of them as a cartoon, uh-huh. and hear Prince is saying, no, that's not me, I do it differently, so I don't even dream with Z's, oh, I, I dream, dream in W's. W's. Yeah. Oh, we'll see, and maybe that's me bringing today's pop culture, because, you know, people talk about the wins, I'm looking for the win, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's kind of maybe in a... 20 teens vernacular yeah. that I'm applying to it but isn't that well, it's great that, that it still means something 30 years after it was recorded that's, yeah. that's very cool Yeah. what did you think of the whole spooky electric narrative that you know started and finished with this song did you not catch on that Really? Oh, he made references throughout this album to spooky electric, and that was uh-huh. his sort of funky term for the devil throughout this oh, entire album. I didn't know that. That oh, spooky electric funny. won't be your boss. If this, if you live this way, then uh, the devil will stay away from you. Oh. So it's sort of his roadmap in a way uh-huh. for you know speaking from experience. The listener would gather um, that this is how you give yourself to God and this is how you turn your back on the devil. So there was this, you know, spooky electric vibe and that was his funky way of talking about, you know, who Satan is and mm-hmm. um, fitting into the song Positivity. Did not oh, catch no. that, but... Yep. Yeah, we got to do some I re-listening. Do. Yes, I will definitely have to. I'm surprised. Visit I'd be this very album su- again. I'd be very surprised if you didn't have some mouth noises notes on this song too because there's Didn't... a moment at the end of the song where he's clearly has something in his mouth <laughs> and is talking like directly into the microphone. It didn't bother me. Oh man. <laughs> we'll point it out later and uh yeah. And then I won't ever be able to listen to positivity again. No, you'll have a lot of negativity <laughs> towards positivity. It'll all start feeling stabby. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so this is the Mountains and the Sea podcast. So we have to uh, pick a mountain, pick a sea, and then we're also going to pick a time capsule. So um, let's start with the time capsule. Oh, okay. What was your choice? Oh, my choice was easy for this one is Alphabet Street. This song just, um, whenever I think of this album or I see the album cover, um, I can hear the yeah, yeah, yeahs and the little rhythm guitar part that's so simple on this Uh this track. Um, The electronic drums, um, the hidden nastiness to the whole thing, which was a little bit of what this album was about too, that you can be... A believer and a uh, devote your life to God and still relish in you know the the, fle- the fleshy gifts that God has given to all of us. Fleshy gifts. So, uh, and it may just be from my experience, you know, being around and paying attention when Alphabet Street came out as a single before the album ever ever um, was released. So, um, and and the video, which we'll talk about in another episode, is so 1988 yeah. and just so unapologetically yeah. cheap that it's cool yes um and that when i think of the late 80s i think of a lot of unapologetically cheap stuff and and this song reminds me of that mm-hmm. just uh we just a, have to get something to put on mtv exactly yeah yes yeah, so let's just put something together vhs quality have some floating letters maybe a green screen <laughs> where i try to drive a car but i'm clearly not driving it <laughs> And, and we'll make a go of it. Somebody's off to the side blowing a fan and some salt spray on me. That's so it looks right. like I'm near the beach. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. 
My time capsule was Glam Slam. Oh, really? Because it just I like it the just glam rock to you. It was yes, it really did. It was December 1987. This is where the 80s found its groove. Mm. This was it was the dance. It was the corny. You, did that it was set corny. me? Well, and that's yeah. the 80s. They were yeah. it was corny. I mean, they're trying. Turn, think I'm turning Japanese. <laughs> also, a song that was corny and dirty. Yeah. Now you know. I said that, that it wasn't. Was, it was not my favorite song of the album. No. That I didn't really care for it a great deal. Right. But lyrically, you know, the soul of Prince is is right on the surface of the song. There for you yeah. to grab with just quirky lyrics, heavy feather flick a nipple, baby scram, water ripple. <laughs> yeah. Where does this come from? It's just this weird state of, you know, it's creativity. Just... So I see okay. where you're coming from. Yeah. All right. What was your C, your low point? Oh, this pains me. I'm in so much pain uh, Oh, right now. I know. It's hard for you to choose. It's like, which of your children is your least favorite? Okay. You're not really supposed to have an opinion. All right. Here's my C. It absolutely does kill me to say this, but I've got to hand it to the album version of I Wish You Heaven as the rock bottom of Love Sexy. I just found it from the beginning when I first heard it uh, to today. I just found it a little one-dimensional that it never really goes anywhere. And, you know, I know Kurt Loder made this point of uh, simplicity as a keynote of art, so it's it's hard to sit here and say that some things are beautiful because they're simple, but that this song is a low point on the album because it is so one-dimensional. It's the, the real reason it hurts me to say this is because the 12-inch version of this song is one of my all-time favorite Prince really? tracks, period. So huh. I've got a yin and a yang here on this one song. <laughs> the album edit, I think, is just falls flat for me. Uh -huh. The 12-inch version is the epitome of Prince, how he can take a song that you thought was going nowhere uh -huh. and be like, hey, check this out, sucker. I'm going to open your eyes and take you to places that you never thought you could go. Really? Sorry, I wish you heaven. Oh, poor I wish you heaven. Not Josh's favorite. Yeah. I didn't, I know, was probably my least what? favorite. What? What? <laughs> is Delicilia. I just I I don't know. It just wasn't it just didn't it didn't feel like it was not the kind of song that I it's again not gonna put this one on my mixtape. It's not the kind of song that I'm gonna go back and learn all the words to. And I like learning the words to songs. It's fun. Mm-hmm. I like it when there's not a lot of them. Okay. I like it when there's a whole lot of them. And it's really hard to remember because it's super fun to sing a song that has a whole lot of words uh -huh. when you know them all. Okay. And it's also really fun to just be able to bebop along to. Yeah. No, this was a serious business for an album opener it was, for it Prince. Was, well, and it was. It was an, it, and it felt like an album opener. That Maybe, maybe that's why. Mm -hmm. It felt like an album opener to me. Hmm. Well, I mean, it definitely was. It set the tone for the album with... I know there is a heaven. I know there is a hell. Mm -hmm. Listen to me. I've got a story to tell. This was setting up the entire the entire batch of songs that you're about to hear. So, it you make me sad. No, sorry. I I don't mean to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to agree to disagree. Fine. I'll tell you my mountain because uh, I want to let you finish this up with your mountain. All right. But um, and also because. It has to do with your C. My mountain was I wish you heaven. Your mountain was I wish you heaven. I really like that song. You had it this was tiny dated. little song that made a whole big mountain for you. You did. <laughs> <laughs> it was the it was the small faith that moves the mountain, and you know it was it was just. I thought it was pretty. Mm -hmm. It was like you said, easy to sing along to. Yes, it was one note, but it wasn't very super long so it didn't feel like a one note that lasted too long i get it because yeah. uh it was rare that um prince would lay down a you know just a three minute song and and be done with it right um, clearly he wasn't done with the song if you've got well, access to, clearly not. to the long version of the song he was nowhere near done with <laughs> i wish you heaven when he finished when he recorded this song but uh, very interesting you know i thought about 
what is the song that she would like the best off of this album, knowing you hadn't heard the entire thing? And I right. knew there were some songs that you had never heard before, probably, too. And uh, I thought it would be Glam Slam. I thought that no, would be your thing. you thought thing. that would be? But the sound of Glam Slam and the sound of I Wish You Heaven, they do have a little bit in common with this kind of well, and underlying... I- uh, guitar and you know, kind of heavy drums, that kind of thing. So well, I and I found them you're... both very dated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I found "I Wish You Heaven" dated in a way that was a lot more appealing than "Glam Slam." It yeah. didn't. I thought "Glam Slam" was fun, but mm-hmm. it was not my favorite kind of '80s. This was more the '80s that I would choose to listen to yeah you like to revisit it yeah i mean and i don't and i'm not one that's gonna revisit the 80s a lot i liked the 80s a lot when i was in high school and and then there was pearl jam and nirvana yeah and i kind of and then i and then you introduced me to princes more than purple rain and little red corvette yep but then I also think, like, I Wish You Heaven and Glam Slam is a little bit of Prince's precursor to... If there was a version of Prince Grunge, it had to take the form of a song like Glam Slam right. or I Wish You Heaven. It wasn't just going to be, you know, marbles in my mouth kind of music. Yes. It was going to be something a little more meaningful than that, especially for Prince at this time. Yeah. So I yeah. see where you're coming from. Yeah. All right. So tell us your mountain. All right, well, I'm going back um, to a song we've already, we, we talked about at length. Talk, well, we talked, talked about, about them all. I mean, we talked about all the songs on this album. <laughs> <laughs> if you're picking one that we but, haven't talked about, then we have a that's problem. That's right. A, You've missed the point of the podcast. Well, no, you missed the hidden track. On oh, the no, only because you didn't put it in my <laughs> iTunes for me. I think uh, I think a lot of diehard Prince fans um, would choose Anesthesia as the pick for the mountain or the high point of this album and I could not disagree with them it it truly is and it's a song that stood the test of time and a song that Prince himself came back and revisited for some of the tours that clearly meant the most to him like the One Night Alone tour that you and I saw this this is the song that closed out the tour Um, so it was rare for him to go back to a song that was at the time 13 years old and make it a, a a showcase piece man it was 13 years old it was 13 years old. And it's 30 old. now. Yep. Yep. We, we're nearly dead. <laughs> no, no. We're seasoned. Yeah, we're we have seasoned. a lot of interesting things to say because yeah. oh, yes, we've we lived do. some life. We have. Um, <laughs> so while I'll hand it to diehard Prince fans, many of you I know are going to say Anesthesia is the one. But for me, there's no turning away from the title track of the album, um, Love Sexy. The way it harkened back to 1999 to me a little bit with the sense, but it really didn't borrow from that song. Um, you know, it was just kind of a same sort of approach and a completely different take. It was like a gospel version of 1999 to me. Um, you know, again, I thought the lyrics were really complex, though so the type of maturity they had to, to craft a song like that. And, you know, you get through it, and again, you're thinking, is this a song about sex? Is this a song about love? Is it a song right. from the, the standpoint of a man or from the standpoint of a woman? And it was a blending of all those things that I think he did so well um, that made the song stand out to me. Um, you know, just it's Prince so artfully mixed together in a gender-bending role that I think only he could, he could pay off, he could um, pull off. And, you know, just for that reason alone, I thought that's that's got to be the mountain of this album for me. Yeah. Well, and you can't discount the fact that he named this album Love Sexy. I mean, that is that is the name of it. And that's got to tell you something about the title track. There's there's something there was something there for him that was it was the heart and soul of the album. Yeah, this is what all the other songs, you know, re- revolved around the sun that was Love Sexy at yeah, the time. that's awesome. So cool. It's really, it was nice to sit down with my husband and chat for a while about something that he knows an awful lot about and that I know some about. Well, and I feel like for us, that's a role reversal because you are the smart one of the family. Oh, that's not true. So but thank to sit you. down and talk about something where, I don't know, I haven't 
purposely spent my life listening to this music to record any thoughts on it but I know. for you to want to do it with me is a lot of fun so this is my birthday gift by the way this is what i asked for for my birthday was to be able to sit down with my husband a couple times a month and chat about something that he loves yeah well that's not that's a pretty selfless birthday no gift no because for you it's you want to spend time doing something together with something that you knew that I could do without much preparation and that you would have to do a lot of work to prepare for. Mm. So thanks for listening to the album with me. Yeah, absolutely. So next time we're going to talk about um, music videos, fashion, any interesting, weird, unusual stories from the time period. Um, We're also going to talk about the ancillary songs. I'm kind of excited to talk about some of those. And um, I'm going to need to get the... I wish you had in 12-inch because for mm. some reason I missed that when I was listening well, to them. So I need to – I have more preparation to do. All right. Well, if you but, had heard it, you would know it. Yeah, I, I would. Because part of your brain would be over there on that wall. <laughs> well, since it was my uh, my top, hopefully it will be something that I really appreciate. So for all of you listeners, we appreciate you so much being here. And uh, we want to connect with you. You can email us at tmatspodcast, T-M-A-T-S podcast at gmail.com, the mountains and the sea. That's what TMATS stands for. You can search TMATS podcast on Facebook and you can reach us on the tweets at TMATS podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if there's something you have heard that you want us to talk about, yeah, or tell us what you disagree with. Too, yeah, tell us your mountain, tell us your seat, tell us your time capsule, and, you know, tell us we're wrong. Tell us we're awesome and right. I, that's more what I want to hear. But if you want to tell us that we're wrong about something, <laughs> I'll take it under advisement. True. And also have to say thank you to uh, the folks over on Prince.org, PrinceVault.com, which is just this awesome resource of information. Uh, that uh, we couldn't do this without and it's out there for free for everyone to take a look at Um, I would also encourage you to buy this album if you've ever been in a dark spot and thought I wonder if Prince ever recorded an album to help me find God this This is is the one you're not going to find it anywhere else this is the one awesome well thank you so much and um, we'll see you in a couple weeks 